0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: thing working? Give yeah.
2: me the The
1: Out of Bound Show is powered by the award-winning golf courses at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club in Philadelphia, Mississippi. All right. The official truck of the Out of Bound Show is the Ram Truck can find it at Mac Hike in Flowood, mackhikeflowood.com. We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. And joining us now is Chris Doring, SEC Network Analyst, All-American for the Florida Gators, a decade in the NFL. He joins us on the Yingling Lager Guest Line. CD, thanks for your time, buddy. How are you?
3: Uh, man, I'm good. I'm good. It's crazy to think about. We're already a quarter of the way through the season, man. It seemed like just yesterday we were kicking things off and previewing what we thought was going to happen this year.
1: I know. I don't. I love it, but I don't like it. But yeah. uh, because I don't want it to go too fast. Oh no. Uh, the game was too fast for Mississippi State uh, Saturday night, starting midway through the second quarter. Um, they jump out thirteen to zero, then get outscored by LSU thirty-one to three. I don't yeah. think LSU has a good team, but I think they have dudes and good players. They'll eventually become a good team. So I thought that was a missed opportunity for the dogs. What did you see, CD? I
3: did, too. I, I was very disappointed in the outcome from, one, you know, I've been high on Mississippi State, you know, all off season and what their chances were this year with the improvement of uh, that offense in the second half of the year, Will Rogers and the defense, like – just felt like this was a perfect chance, as did Vegas, I guess, being a being a, a a favorite going into Tiger Stadium, which I'm sure hasn't happened a lot in the history of Mississippi State's program. But, you know, I thought they they didn't do a very good job of finishing drives early on. Um, you know, I was disappointed with some of the the fourth down decisions slash calls when they did go for it. I felt like they ran the same play three times. The first three times they went for it on fourth down, they made the first one and then they got stuffed because the offensive line gave up way too much penetration and the and, uh, speed off the edges hurt them. But, you know, I, I thought, you know, we've got to give credit to LSU as well. Um, they had a great game plan, and um, one of the things that went into that game plan was make sure to cover the back out of the backfield, make him Will Rogers go through his progressions, holding the ball a little longer than he typically does. I think that's why you were able to see LSU get four sacks and, and pressure him seemingly all night. And then I thought they, they showed that athleticism. You talked about dudes running to the football, tackling soundly. You didn't see a whole lot of yards after the catch, which is typical of that Mississippi State air raid offense. And, and uh, they finally were able to break through on offense in the second half. The defense did enough to keep Mississippi State within reeling in distance, and and uh, they made some plays after the Austin Williams uh, muff there, which yeah. seemed to, to turn the tide.
1: You know, I thought Matt House, the defensive coordinator at LSU, yep. made some adjustments either beginning or midway through the second quarter and did a fabulous job, by the way, and may have – you know, told them that they would run forever the next week. Whatever. Something happened there in the game, and Mississippi State couldn't answer. This has been the big debate in the state of Mississippi because I think Leach is brilliant. I think he revolutionized a lot of college football offenses and trickled up a little bit to the NFL or a lot. But, CD, does does Leach have to modify the air? I mean, he's had some some really good games in the SEC, Does he have to modify the air raid? What are you seeing?
3: Well, he had modified it. You know, that was the thing I went in bragging about on Friday night's show. The preview of of what uh, I thought was going to happen in the LSU game was based upon what I had seen in in the modification of the offense, the evolution, running the ball more. In the first two games of the year, they had run the ball an average of 11 times more uh, per game than they had the previous season, and it had netted them almost double the yards on the ground. So I... I thought that that was one of the things that they had had uh, really evolved uh, to, and you saw it earlier. Who was that? Was it was Marks that scored the first what long touchdown, right?
1: Yeah, Marks for thirty-seven.
3: Yeah, I mean that was a, that was one terrible tackling and defending by LSU there, and, and not making a ton of effort. But I just um, you know you, you saw. On those fourth down tries, they had confidence in the run game. In, in days past, they would have probably thrown a screen out to the wide receiver and seen if they could make somebody miss in space there, but they were confident enough to line up and, and think that they could move LSU's defense off the line of scrimmage and credit that defensive front. Well, even without Mason Smith, uh, they did a really nice job of, of uh, creating penetration. Uh, Getting a push into the backfield and uh, and limiting some of what they were able to do, but I, you know, a lot of it just was execution as well. They did not execute as well, and as as uh, it seemed like when they when Mississippi State's offense is moving well, it looks easy, and it did not look easy. Yeah. Credit some of that to like you said, Matt House did had a great plan for him too. It's time
0: for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Chris Doring, SEC Network on the Yingling Lager guest line. Okay, I like Will Rogers a lot. You do too. But going forward, does does Leach need a dual threat? Somebody can, that can at least hurt you with his legs in this league, considering the guys that the defensive have, Defenses have at every level. CD, I'm
3: not ready. You talking about at the quarterback spot? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready to to say that yet. I mean, I, we're just celebrating Leach being willing to run the ball a little bit more. Now all of a sudden, we're going to ask him to put a whole new quarterback into his his uh, style of offense that he's been running forever. I I don't think that's going to happen. But you're seeing that in in not only. I think the the most amazing part about it is it, it used to start. What the NFL did trickled down into college and into high school football. Now it's the other way around. The, high, the, the, the days, remember in high school, like, let's put our best athlete at quarterback and, and make teams start stop him. And that, that kind of moved into college. And now, even in the NFL, you're seeing a much more. Uh, a higher trend of of guys, you know, bringing those those dual threat quarterbacks in, folks that can run. I know Kyle Shanahan was questioned on on Sunday about you know running Trey Lance and what that led to, but you know, that that's just a common occurrence in football these days. So I I would probably agree that it would it might help, but I don't know that it fits into what they do schematically and what the overall you know the the plan is offensively, which is hey let's get the ball to the quarterback's hand quickly and, and let you know, those guys make plays in space after the catch.
1: Okay. Uh, Ole Miss, Chris Storing on the Out of Bounds show, o- Ole Miss is 3-0. and They hadn't really played anybody, but they've done what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So what's your takeaway on the team through three games?
3: Well, my question for Ole Miss going into the year uh, was how do they, obviously, replace the production and leadership of Matt Corral. How do they replace Jeff Levy – and uh, D.J. Durkin as the coordinators. I mean, that, that those were massive losses. I really thought that Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss was going to take a, a step back this year because of those things. And the ironic part is we've spent so much of the off season talking about who the starting quarterback was going to be and, and Lane Kiffin being unwilling to even use the word start, as he talked about you know, guys going first. I don't think it matters. When you have that trio of running backs, uh, the way that they do and, and how explosive and interchangeable they are. And let's not forget, like, people think about Ole Miss's offense being this wide-open passing attack. They could throw the ball, but it's a run-first offense. And I think they have exactly what they need with uh, Zach Evans, Ulysses Bennett, and Quinshawn Judkins at the running back position. And you, you factor that in. To the defensive effort, like you know, I don't care who you play. You play another Power Five opponent on the road. Georgia Tech's not great in offense, but to shut them out, I thought was a, 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 a you know make, making a statement there. It was a, it was a, a great effort, regardless, and uh, I feel really good now about where this team is as they get ready for that October first matchup with uh, Kentucky coming to town.
1: CD on the Out of Bounds Show, A and M and Arkansas, somewhat neutral field this weekend. Who do you like and why?
3: Man, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch much of the tape, Bo, but I am just sickened at what I see from Texas A&M's offense. This offensive line was talked about as being really good this year. They take turns getting beat. Um, I feel bad for um, Haynes King. Haynes King was talked about as as being – you know, the, the, the person that was causing all this offensive struggle, but I really believe it starts up front with the offensive line. I honestly believe that there's some issue in, in some of the play calling and play design too. I look at how many times there's not a, uh, an outlet, uh, for the quarterback to get the ball to under pressure. You know, they, they were running some seven man protection with, with three guys out in the, the route tree. And, and, uh, you know, there's nobody, nobody to dump the ball down to, and so you know, these guys are, are giving up pressure early, and even when they you know, are protected a little longer, the quarterback doesn't have anywhere to, to, to go with the ball. So, um, so uh, they've got to find a way, first and foremost, to run the football better. I mean, the strength of that team is obviously Devon A. Chain. I thought they were very intentional about getting him and, and I Smith the ball a little bit more. Uh, but the defense was impressive, and the defense is going to continue to get better. There are some really young parts of that uh, defense that, you know, I was watching it on the plane home yesterday on the uh, cut-ups, and, and I uh, pulled up the the uh, the depth chart in the roster while I'm watching, and I'm like, man, I can't believe how many of these guys are true freshmen that, that have these bodies that look like they're upperclassmen, you know, and I guess that's the way these yeah. folks come in nowadays, and certainly the – The five stars are the ones that are being targeted for a reason because of that development. But uh, I was impressed with the defense bouncing back from a really poor performance against Appalachian State. I just have concerns about what this offense is going to be able to to do this year because of the limitations of the offensive line and and the receivers as well. I know Evan Stewart was out, but I I don't see guys getting open an awful lot. All
1: right, let's go to Bama before we go to – your alma mater and Tennessee. I didn't even have to
3: answer your question, by the way. Uh, Arkansas. If, if that wasn't enough, I'm going with Arkansas.
1: Going with the Razorbacks. Chris Storing on the Yingling Lager guest line. What was your takeaway from the Bama-Texas thing? Is is Bama, you know, really vulnerable? Uh, do you think that, that at Arkansas, at Tennessee, you know, some games could, could trip them up? Or you just chalked that up as that was Texas's Super Bowl – and, and Bama didn't do some things well, and they'll get it figured out?
3: Well, I, I think Texas, first and foremost, the environment was amazing. It was certainly an SEC-type feel, so I'm excited about them coming to the league whenever that happens in the next few years. Um, I thought also Steve Sarkeesian showed – the reason why Texas brought him in. They had a great game plan for him. Obviously, you know, put the, uh, the, the freshman Quinn Ewers in some positions to make some plays. It would have been interesting had he not gone down with that, that injury. Um, but I, the things coming into the year that I was concerned about, and I thought that this Alabama defense had a chance to be a generational type unit, much like Georgia's defense last year. But the concerns, if they were to be derailed, were twofold. The offensive line, which wasn't very good last year, they lost three starters, including Evan Neal, from a group that was very average, uh, so I was concerned about them being able to protect. They gave up a ton of sacks last year, got Bryce Young hit a lot more, so I was concerned about that, and I was concerned about the receivers. You know, you, you don't lose guys uh, like you do Jamison Williams and John Mechie and not take a step back. Although that's what Alabama's typically done, right? I mean, they've been able to reload. They've had guys that have come along where you have your star and they move on, and then you know, a guy like Jalen Waddell steps up, and then you know, you, Devontae Smith. Like, they, they've had that progression, and they just didn't have that this year. I thought Jermaine Burton could be that guy, but uh, he has not been the impressive. Uh, figure that I thought he was going to be. I know they got some young guys, and they'll, they'll certainly get JoJo Earl and, and uh, Tyler Harrell back here at some point. Maybe they can help stretch the field. But the leading receiver in that game against – leading wide receiver, excuse me, uh, Jameer Gibbs was the leading receiver. Leading wide receiver had 39 yards, and you saw a ton of drops. Like Those are things that are really concerning to me. Now, uh, going back to that generational defense, They they gave up what what they have five or six red zone trips down to that part of the field and only gave up sixteen points. So again, the fact that they were able to win that game with some late Bryce Young heroics was due to the, the defense at least bowing their back down in the red zone.
0: Prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. all
1: right let's go to but you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if they drop a game would you be shocked or surprised if they dropped two Georgia Alabama
3: oh Alabama um I would not be I would not be shocked if they lost one I would be shocked if they lost two okay um but I, I I think what I've seen from from them is the improvement as the season's gone on. You know, the, over the years they get better. Last year I thought they got better. That I, I got in this big debate, as you know, with Peter Burns early in the season, and and a lot of the Alabama fans took exception to it. Which again, I felt like I was. Uh, I was, I was provided some uh, some justification from Coach Saban when he said that they were rebuilding last year. And I, I think to some degree the offense is still trying to find their, their footing right now, but I think they will get better as the year goes on like they did last year. Uh, but they, it's tough, man, playing in this league. You, you mentioned Tennessee. like They've been dominated by Alabama, but they were close for three and a half quarters last year. And certainly they put some pressure on you with what they do with that, that tempo and Hendon Hooker being the trigger man there. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost one. Um, I, I, I just don't know that anybody in the SEC goes undefeated this year, and that includes the SEC championship game. It's, it's tough to do in this league. Yeah. Every team in this conference has a three- or four-game stretch. Georgia has a, a really difficult four-game stretch at the end of October end of November that I think will still trip them up too. So I, I just don't think anybody in this league's going undefeated this year with the, the cannibal – cannibalism that, that takes place playing this conference schedule.
1: Chris Doring, All-American at Florida, SEC Network, on the Out of Bounds show. What are your expectations this weekend, 3.30, Neyland, Florida at Tennessee?
3: I was wondering if you were going to bring this up. I was hoping we were going to cut the interview off because uh, <laughs> my expectation is not high for Florida in this game. And, and it's funny, Tennessee 10, 11-point favorite, But I still have all my Tennessee people texting me with cautious optimism about, oh, man, I hope it's not close late in the game because you guys will find a way to to beat us. And that's been the storyline over the last 15 of 16 uh, times that they've met. Um, But I I just I don't see Florida's ability to score with Tennessee. Uh, One of the things that's impressed me the most is is Tennessee's defensive improvement this year. And I know you can say, hey, they haven't played a a ton of quality opponents yet, but they did go to 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 Pitt. And uh, they did win that game because of their defense, um, but I, I just I, I think that that's an offense that's starting to figure it out. The receivers, we wondered who was going to replace Bayless Jones. Well, not only has Cedric Tillman had a big role, and hopefully he's back healthy again in the lineup soon. Uh, Brew McCoy has been been nice. Uh, Jalen Hyatt had a big game the other night he after um, after uh, Cedric Tillman went out. So. I like that Tennessee team, and I just I don't think Florida can score with them. I think the game plan needs to be this, and, and we, we can talk more about the deficiencies of Florida's offense and the struggles of the, the passing game, but I mean, Florida is by far the worst team in the conference. 14th, they were averaging 155 yards. A game through the air heading into that debacle against USF and I think through for 112 so that average goes down even more but uh, Florida needs to, to lean on the strength of their team and ironically the strength of their team has become the offensive line, something it hasn't been the last couple of years. You look at the table they're moving guys off the line of scrimmage they're creating some lanes, the running backs the trio of running backs between um, Montreal Johnson and, and uh, the freshman Trevor Etienne and, and uh, Naquan Wright those guys are, are really doing a nice job, so I think they need to run the football, see if they can be more physical with Tennessee, see if they can't possess the ball for longer periods of time, keep Tennessee's offense off the field, and use Anthony Richardson in the, in the run game more and use him off the play-action pass. He's more comfortable throwing the football Outside of the pocket, then I, I see yes. him throwing it in the in the pocket. So I think that's the game plan for me: is, is let's shorten the game, let's take as much air out of it as we can, and make sure that we're 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 depending on our our run game to help try to give us a chance into the fourth quarter.
1: Okay. So Napier try to do kind of what Kiffin and Brawls do with that running game and, and get that thing get playing downhill type deal with I mean, with that, that, that O lines playing. The,
3: you know, and people people ask. I don't know if you had a chance to see the fourth quarter of the Florida USF game. The other I night, did. But, you know, they move the ball down there with about eight and a half minutes to go inside the five, and they throw a fade. That was not a fade call. That was an RPO, right? So if you look at the tape, the left side of the offensive line gets a tremendous push. If he hands it to Montreal Johnson, it's a, it's a walk-in right off the, the center's hip. But uh, he decides to throw the, the fade, and I don't know what they teach in that room in terms of what they're reading. It was one-on-one coverage, and maybe they say, hey, if you got one-on-one out there, give your guy a chance. But in that situation, if you're going to give him a chance, throw the ball high. You know The back shoulder fade only works when you have some threat of going deep. And when you're at the five-yard line, that threat's not there. The corner can get his eyes turned around. And as you saw, when, when he gets his eyes turned around and you just throw that back shoulder fade, then guys are able to pick it off. So I like the idea. And they did this after they got the ball back. And, and this credit credit Billy Napier for the resiliency. I think that's the biggest difference from last year to this year is the resiliency when something bad happens. You saw it in Utah. They were able to find ways to win that game when when things could have gone the other way. After you throw that pick, I think last year, Florida probably loses to USF, but the defense goes out there, gets a stop, and then they get the football back and say, hey, screw it, man. We're just going to run the ball right down their throats, which you should. I mean, USF was the 127th team against the run in, in all of FBS, so like, you can't, I know you want to work on getting better throwing the football, but you've got to secure the wins right now because right. this, this is a brutal schedule that, that Florida's been in in the month of September. All
1: right, last thing, Kentucky Ole Miss. Uh, in a week and a half, yep. in Oxford, we had you on before the season. You picked Kentucky to win 11 games. You're, you're howling what they're doing on Levis, on Stoops, and their line of scrimmage play and all that. Uh, are you expecting, like, a hell of a ball game and a close game and and a smash mouth football game in a week and a half in Oxford.
3: I would like to think so, but you know the one thing that has been kind of elusive for Kentucky is the one thing they built that that program on, and that's being physical on the offensive line and running the football. They have not been able to do that, and obviously you could say, hey, Chris Rodriguez, his absence has affected their ability to do so. But the offensive line, you know, they were, they were playing guys completely in new positions and folks had been out. You saw that game against Youngstown. They played their starters in the offensive line until the final two or three plays of that game just simply to try to get more snaps together, to develop more chemistry, to, to develop that identity. I do think they'll be better running the football. Uh, but it is ironic to think about, like, all of a sudden uh, this team – their strength may be the pass catchers. You look at, uh, obviously, Tavion Robinson has had a, a nice uh, start to his Kentucky career, but Dane Key, the freshman, Barry Brown, like, they got a bunch of young guys in addition to a trio of tight ends that are really talented. So if they can get that run game going, now they become a much more dynamic offense. And uh, I think getting Rodriguez back will help. Uh, but I think partly why I picked Kentucky to begin with in the offseason was I was not expecting Ole Miss to be where they are so mm. so quickly. Um, and wow. It goes back to what I said at the beginning, losing Dirk and losing uh, Levy and, and losing Corral, but they, they seem to have not missed a beat here so far, at least.
1: Yeah, Lane's done a heck of a job. All right, CD, Chris Doring, SEC Network, on the Yingling Lager guest line. We appreciate your time, buddy. We'll see you uh, uh, on TV this weekend.
3: Yeah, man, appreciate you. Oh, thanks for having me on, Bo.
1: Thanks, CD. Chris Doring, All-American at Florida, decade in the NFL, SEC Network all weekend and they've got the best show in college football Saturday night and Sunday morning. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook, an award-winning Dancing dancingrabbitgolf.com Don't forget about test driving the official truck of the Out of Bounds Show, the Ram truck, pre-owned or new, at Mac Hike in Flowood. That's mackhikeflowood.com if you're in the market for a Ram truck or a Jeep Wrangler. That was good. Good stuff from uh, CD and Chris Storing. Um, maybe two good games this weekend. We'll see. I sure feel like A&M in Arkansas could give us some uh, fireworks. Uh, we'll see if Florida, I like where he's going, run the football and lean on that offensive line and keep Hendon Hooker off the field. Uh, hour number two coming up of the Out of Bounds Show. Brought to you by the Ram Trucks at Mack Hike in Flowood, mackhikeflowood.com.